0: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside programme here on Manx Radio I'm Simon Clark,
1: And I'm Kiri Kermode I catch up with the latest from the Courrux Wildlife Park
0: And I took a trip to the Sorby Horticultural Society's annual show But first on this week's programme, Kerry, it's been a tough old time. We've mentioned how the weather's been affecting things, uh, particularly in the agricultural world. It's not been bad, I don't think, for the fishing uh, fraternity. The seas have been calm, so they'll be able to get there. But food has been the main worry, hasn't it?
1: It really has, and this rain has definitely been welcomed. It's a lot greener around the countryside now. And all being well, it will remain quite steady weather so we can get crops a little bit later in the year but uh, if the weather does turn it's going to be uh, a daunting time ahead because there isn't enough forage collected for the winter months and in the UK it's an even worse situation than us, they are not getting any rain at all so it is quite scary times ahead Simon.
0: Yeah well to find out the latest I caught up with Geoffrey Boot the Minister for the Department of Environment Food and Agriculture to find out the latest news particularly about the farm subsidy scheme.
2: Well we all know that there's been a bit of a crisis this year um, we had a very late spring or non-existent spring very wet long winter uh, that followed on with almost no spring to what Is essentially a drought period uh, six weeks uh, of uh, no rain so that means that uh, although a lot of people got a first uh, crop uh, the second crop silage etc has not produced the way it should spring sown wheat uh, barley and crops have not grown the way they should so we're looking at a crisis later in the year fodder feed grain and bedding So what we're trying to do, we've advanced an extra 10% of the half yearly ADS payment to all farmers so that they have some cash flow available to look to the future and uh, make provision, purchase provision for uh, additional supplies later in the year. It's not additional money, and I say not additional money because some people have interpreted it the wrong way. Uh, The end of year payment will be 40%. But in the meantime, we are exploring uh, some form of a, a emergency help, if you want to call it that, um, after we've identified and quantified the problems farmers are going to face over the next few months. Just to
0: explain to some of the people, may not be in agriculture, ADS? Uh, agricultural Development
2: Scheme, it's a farm subsidy
0: scheme, in essence. Right, now, obviously, you've explained about... Um, the, have, have farmers come to you or is this something that members of the the board um, sort of suss out when they're talking to the uh, the agricultural world
2: well we've been dealing uh, with the NFU and they've been talking to us we we identified that there was going to be a problem some weeks ago it was fairly self-evident looking at the countryside and also speaking to farmers yes some farmers have approached us directly and we but we were aware of the problem and it's it's not just an island problem it's one that's uh, uk wide and fairly well acknowledged uh, in the industry people from outside i
0: suppose won't understand um, that how you how you give them more can't they manage if other businesses do but this can have such long effects uh, throughout the year can't it if they've got to use feed already and there's no grass enough
2: to last? Well some farmers are already doing that and we're well aware of that problem um, but we, we, we must sort of look at farming as part of our environment, it's, it, it's an environmental issue as well and farmers uh, are, are operating generally on very narrow margins and this is a sort of event with the late uh, winter that could put some people out of business additionally as uh, is well known we, we've spent a lot of time trying to put the meat plant on a firm footing and we want to maintain breeding stock and stock for finishing on Ireland. what we don't want people to do is panic and sell animals and the, the market at the moment is very poor so uh, i think they would be ill-advised to do that but sometimes commercial uh, decisions imperatives that overtake what is sensible um, so we, we we're looking at putting more money in the system so that they Will be able to have some confidence that there will be feed available, bedding available, and uh, that will enable the farming cycle to continue. So we have animals for the meat plant uh, later this year and the following year. Because if we lose stock off Ireland, particularly breeding stock, sometimes it, it doesn't come back. Farmers uh, feel uh, that, that you know once bitten, twice shy, or they don't have the capital uh, to restock farms. So we've got to be very careful farming's at a fragile stage and uh, we need to nurture it not just for farming uh, production because the food is important because we're trying to develop uh, a a premium market for our local produce but also from an environmental point of view if we don't have farmers uh, grazing the fields uh, tending the uh, hedges etc the isle of man will look a completely different place in in a very few years and people are going to build houses on it Well, I don't know whether they're build houses, but uh, I I know of some other island jurisdictions where farming has virtually vanished and they're now paying people uh, to graze land and maintain it rather than farmers doing it because they're farming it for a profit.
0: Well, often, of course, lots of meetings with the Tinwald and the board, of course, as Minister for DEFA. But it was good to see you out and about at the Southern Agricultural Show. I mean, do you get a good feedback from people of the general mood of particularly the agriculture world, I suppose?
2: Well, I think there is an air air of uh, depression at the moment or uh, pessimism because of the situation. I did speak to quite a few people at the show... It was very sad that uh, the weather decided to break that weekend. Could have waited another two days, uh, but uh, that's life. Um, And it seems strange over the last few days we've had a lot of rain that we're talking about uh, emergency help. But the rain is coming too late uh, to help the spring crops and uh, the the next uh, silage cut or hay cut. But yes, uh, if you speak to 20 different farmers, you'll get... Twenty different views, but uh, you have to aggregate that and look at where people are coming from. But I would say that there is pessimism in the industry at the moment, rather than optimism. So uh, part of my job is is to try and instil some optimism for the future. Darren, I mentioned the meat plant. More changes? Well, not necessarily more changes. Uh, the, the meat plant has actually been performing reasonably well and i think the equivalency we uh, uh, agreed um, or meat plant agreed because they are uh, an arm's length operation now has worked well but the trouble with equivalency is it works both ways and at the moment the market has deteriorated for red meat because of the drought a lot of animals coming onto the market people not eating red meat during very hot weather and so it's not a, a good scenario but they are managing throughput they are trying to service uh, the farmers' uh, requirements in terms of putting animals through, but there are a lot of animals out there that farmers want to put through because they don't have the feed, and uh, that's a sort of difficult situation to manage. Bit of a Bermuda Triangle situation, isn't it? Well, perfect storm, which I watched the other night, <laughs> comes to mind. Geoffrey Boot, the Minister for DEFA,
0: they're talking about the uh, advanced uh, payments of the Agricultural Development Scheme money there to try and help I think along the way with uh, the difficult time and probably uh, it's going to be further down the line where it could affect things as well Kiri.
1: Yeah it's not right now at the moment it's uh, like when we get into February, March times when things are really testing there's going to be a shortage of fodder in the UK as well so we are going to be looking further afield but um, all being well this this wet weather has come at quite a good time and we might get a a fair bit of grass harvested yet so Mm. always remain positive but every bit of help is welcome.
0: Yes, and uh, I suppose the the water levels will be a little bit lower at the Couric Wildlife Park in Balafie. You took a trip there, didn't you?
1: I did indeed, and the park is looking extremely well. And I caught up with the general manager, Kathleen Graham, to see how the summer months started. It
3: was a really cold start to the season, wasn't it? So uh, our visitors were were quite slow, and it did feel like summer was never coming, didn't it? Mm. But um, in the end, summer came with a blast, didn't it? And quite quickly too.
1: And how are the animals managed with the extreme heat? Because it is, it's is—it's very rare for the Isle of Man to have
3: two days of sunshine, let alone ten weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising how adaptable and resilient animals are. And, you know, we tend to think, oh, it's so hot. But... Actually, I mean, our climate is still quite temperate and um, compared to the heat of, say, the the continent where it can be up over 40, um, it's really not too bad. But, I mean, we've got plenty of shade in a lot of our enclosures, a lot of natural foliage for animals to sit in the shade if they want to sit in the shade. Um, The keepers were busy making... Fruit ice lollies and even a, a nice blood fish oh, ice wow. lolly for the fishing cat. So the animals do uh, appreciate that kind of enrichment and it's a chance to cool down. We did watch the fishing cat just sitting underneath the ice lolly as it dripped on them. Oh so, my word. Um, so yeah, there's things like that. Sprinklers as well, you know, a sprinkler uh, set up in the penguins or the emus allows them the chance to sort of go underneath for a little cool shower if they want to. But generally speaking, um, they coped very well and I think actually a lot of the animals appreciated some really nice weather. Uh, you notice when most summers, when you get that first warm sunny day, suddenly you see all the animals out sunbathing. You know, the lemurs are sat there in their Buddha position and the, <laughs> the meerkats are sat, uh, sitting towards the sun but um, there's been less of a rush this year to get out in, in the sun as it's kind of settled into quite a sunny pattern. Um, so I guess it's, it's just like us, really. They, they appreciate the warm weather when they don't see it very often. And then when they get it day after day, um, they're more likely to seek shade rather than to rush out and get a bit of sun.
1: This is it. And when I was here in April, you had the new Lima Enclosure built, and since it's been a little bit of a disaster, but from that came a really lovely story as well, though, Kathleen.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Gentle Lemur exhibit was such a setback and really um, quite a tough one for staff because of the amount of effort that people had put into that exhibit. And you know, we were really proud of our sort of breeding group of Gentle Lemurs having you know a family of four was great so it, it was such a tragedy when we lost the two juveniles but thank goodness um we were able to save the adult pair the keepers managed to, to get them out of the enclosure that night because they had went outside rather than stay in the building like the juveniles did and they've given birth again so um, keepers came up with the name phoenix and i thought uh, it's just so appropriate um, And so they're doing absolutely fine. But they're still offshore, they're still in our hospital unit while um, we uh, rebuild the gentle lemur enclosure. But we have moved our first residents into that new area, so we've got our black and white, our red ruffed, and are red-fronted in there, and we're shortly to move the ringtail lemurs over. So we're getting there eventually in the end with that enclosure.
1: You're having so much success here, Kathleen, with your breeding programmes, you you know, with baby Phoenix, and
3: Finlow. He's now nearly a year old, the, the silvery gibbon. He's just at the best age ever. I mean, I've been so privileged, and because they're right on the main drive there, the amount of times I walk up and down, Every day, I always uh, stop and have a look. I can't help myself to see what they're doing. It's like, I don't know, like your, your next-door neighbours that are your friends has just seen what they're up to and you get to know their daily habits and what they do. But he's a proper toddler now and he's he's swinging about himself. He's up to acrobatics and just brilliant to watch. He's, he's the best age ever. His birthday is the 19th of August. He'll be one year old. And so, is he having a birthday party? <laughs> well, we, we, well, we'll make some kind of a cake. It probably won't be an iced one and sponge, because that wouldn't be very healthy. But I'm sure we'll, we can make some kind of a, a birthday cake for him. Aww.
1: And what will his plan be? Because obviously, if, if the potential to have an, another a sibling or, or another baby, you know, can they stay as a family group or will he have to be sent off elsewhere?
3: Um, here we take into account how they would be in the wild and what age they would leave their parents. And gibbons are apes. They're lesser apes, but they're apes and they are like us. So they live in that family unit. And Silvery Gibbons on the island of Java would live um, as a, a close knit family. It would be mum, dad, and up to three kids. So they have a youngster about three years apart. Uh, that can come down in captivity to two and a half years. So we could expect to see a sibling uh, to Finlow in about another 18 months' time. Um, But he will stay in the family group. Um, That's how they would be. Somewhere between the age of eight and ten, Silvery Gibbons leave home. And he would go off and find himself a mate if he was in the forests of Java. Um, Here we have a stud bookkeeper to do that. Uh, The stud bookkeeper is based in Howlett Zoo, um, which is run by the Aspinall Foundation. And uh, there, the stud bookkeepers, they actually have half of the European population of silvery gibbons. They've got about seven families. So we're only the ninth zoo. This is quite a a small breeding programme still. There's only about 43 individuals in all the European zoos. And they are such an endangered gibbon. Um, They are under pressure in Java. Uh, There's a population of 124 million in Java and growing fast. So the forests there are under pressure. So it's great that we've got this family group. So Finlow, yeah, he, he... the stud bookkeeper keeper will match him with a female and he will go off to another zoo at the age that he would naturally go off in the wild. So, But the great thing for us is, being um, primates and, and particularly being closer related to us, being apes, is that Finlow's still a baby. Even at a year old, he's still a baby. It's like the equivalent of a two-year-old child. So he's toddling about, he's just at such a great age. And it's so nice that we've got him here for, until he's at least eight years old and that we get to see the family and watch them grow and develop. So, um, yeah, it'll be great to have a sibling. That that will really change the dynamics of the family <laughs> group. Uh, so we can look forward to that. But, yeah, it, it, it's great that he's got to one years old and they're just... Such a, a happy family.
1: The park is looking so great. The enclosures are looking well. There's lots of fencing, and you still have your great volunteers popping in to to lend a hand on on team building days.
3: Yeah, we've we've had we've had um, lots of corporate groups in uh, this year, uh, more and more, and uh, they do a lot of great things. Graham's uh, great. He he always uh, he's our volunteer. Uh, who works for the charity and he um, coordinates them all they always have a fun day but he has them making platforms for the lemurs and re-roping enclosures You know, we had a group cutting back some of the lower branching in the gibbons so we could add ropes and that visitors mm. could see them easier but still keep the foliage up above mm. for them so um, there's some great improvements made by uh, our corporate days uh, and the everyone who comes and does that always says they've got a lot more out of it than what they thought particularly when you see you know the animals going out and using the platforms that they've built or you know lying sunbathing on them um it, it gives everyone who participates a a great kick and it's 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 all great improvements to the park so we're getting there there's always so much to do it it is we we know everything we want to do um but yeah so it can be it, it can be quite tough at times but sometimes you need to take a breath and look back and go actually yeah for a small team We have um, made some great improvements in the last years and we can really be proud of that.
1: And now the summer holidays have started, Kathleen, you'll be inundated with families and, and children uh, coming to en- enjoy the, seeing the new babies
3: and the great programmes you have here at the Corks Wildlife Park. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. But we're here all year round. You don't have to come in the summertime, you know, come come in the winter time too. I would say the time is quite a good time to walk around the park because you generally do see the animals more because there's less foliage. And um, yeah, even if you come in the middle of winter, just as the park's closing, it's kind of dusk. And and you see different behaviours then as well. So there's, there's, it's always a, a reason to come to the park. Sarah, from a keeper's point of view, working at the Corrox
1: Wildlife Park, you must have so much to do on a daily basis with so many different types of animals. It, does, it, does it get confusing? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say confusing. It's interesting, something
4: different every day. Yeah. And what is your favourite aspect of the park? Obviously, the animals... Um, day-to-day care of them and seeing them breed and be happy.
1: Over the last few years, there seems to be a massive success in the breeding programmes. And here we're just witnessing the lemurs going out into their outdoor enclosure. This is one of the the recent changes you've had at the park. Yeah, this is our brand new Lemurs of
4: Madagascar enclosure. And we've just um, introduced two black and white ruffed and some red ruffed lemurs together. And that's them just shouting, Sorting out who's going to be top lemur there.
1: <laughs> but they aren't violent towards each other, though, at all. You know, they're, they're just girls, so giving a lot of lip.
4: Yeah, just the three girls. Um, we've got one male. He hides away, Frost. He doesn't want anything to do with them. But no, no real um, fighting as
1: such, just a lot of shouting, like you say. But it is nice for the, for the visitors that come to the park to see them out in the outdoor enclosure, you know, in, in an environment that they really do enjoy.
4: Yeah, definitely. It's something new um, and it's going to be great when it's all finished. Step by step, we're getting there. It's been a slow progress, but yeah, hopefully by the end of the summer it will be up and running and open.
1: And what is your, your favourite part of it? You, you probably get quite attached to a lot of these animals here and, and sometimes they do go off island to other zoos as well. They
4: do, and that's you, you. do get attached. It's hard, but at the end of the day, it's also good because it's a success, and yeah. you know you're you know you're helping um, the gene pool and helping to preserve species. And your favourite ah, goes without <laughs> saying, gentle lemurs.
1: That was Park Keeper Sarah Tia-Kameen and General Manager Kathleen Graham of the Kurriks Wildlife Park.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a trying time for them, but uh, as Kathleen always quick to praise her staff there and uh, so enthusiastic and caring about what's going on there aren't they
1: they're doing a sterling job at the park and the breeding programs of these endangered animals is going really really well for them and uh, it's, it's a feather in their hat to have this offspring head out to other zoos and parks and to be part of breeding programs to to keep them from being extinct generally and uh, what great success yes indeed <laughs>
0: You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, with the new series of Countryside just about underway now, uh, we're looking forward to the Royal Manx uh, Agricultural Show next weekend, so we'll bring you bits from that, but I went along to the Sulby Horticultural Society's annual show in the Hall on Clinic Road in Sulby, the Community Hall. I caught up with the many people that were visiting for the day, and exhibiting as well, but first I spoke to Chair and Secretary of the organisation, Kirsty Martin, and just looking around, it seems like a per year.
5: Yes, um, it's brilliant isn't it? A glorious sunny afternoon and the place is packed. So packed with entries. Two shy entries um, oh two entries shy of last year's entry total um, but plenty of people through the door on the day Simon it's brilliant.
0: Yeah what, what were the amount of entries few or? Uh, a few hundred or?
5: a few hundred? There's a reason why uh, why I have a sore hand. It's 1,166. Wow! I know. So I think that's right. I'm all a bit of a all a bit of a model at the moment.
0: <laughs> and the, it's it is great to see it back. It's a nice day outside, which you think sometimes deters them from coming.
5: I know. Well, we have to sort of acknowledge what went on at the southern last weekend. Um, from an organising committee perspective, that is just you can't plan for the weather. However, I I was doing an anti-rain dance on Monday morning and hoping um, that the sun would shine, and it has. It's a beautiful afternoon. We are so, so lucky.
0: Well, let's speak to one of the stars of this year's Sulby Horticultural Society show, Susan Gower-Jackson. Congratulations. Uh, Amongst anything, you've walked away at your first show with the Star Prize Award.
4: I know, I'm astonished. I really didn't expect it.
0: As Kirsty was saying, it's a little bit unusual, you know, at a horticultural show, that a piece of art has scooped the top prize, but it just looks so much like a photograph. And that painting that you've done of the dog, looking over the, the view there, and it's fairly unique though, isn't it?
4: Well, I suppose I was painting my own dog, so it was something I really enjoyed doing. I mean, maybe that came across in the painting.
0: Yeah, is this painting a big part of your life?
4: No, I've actually only just recently started painting
0: Well, you've done pretty well for one who hasn't been doing it for so long. But, I mean, you've entered so much other stuff. I've seen some flowers there from you, some rhubarb, some eggs, which have have took the first prize as well.
4: I know. Well, I just looked through the programme and thought anything that I possibly could enter, I would. And so, yes, I'm very happy with how I've done.
0: Are you from around this area?
4: I'm from Ramsey, Glen Alden.
0: Yeah, and did you enter many of the other shows on the island?
4: I've never entered a show before. None of them? So, no, none of them. So, <laughs> so it is quite surprising for me.
0: <laughs> well, Michael Garrett, congratulations to you. You've won the uh, best, is it gladioli or Gladiola? Or? A single is a Gladiolus. And
6: more than one gladioli. It's the plural. Ah. Gladiola.
0: Yes. So there's a... It seems to be a quite a hotly contested class, this one, though.
6: Well, it is, yes. It's difficult to get a really good one with the weather that we've had. It and, hasn't helped, then. Well, no, it hasn't helped, no. I, I've got some nice ones for this show. I don't know what the rest of the summer is going to be like. I'm hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's some lovely colours here, but it seems to be difficult to get a really nice coloured one that is nice and straight, and like a good straight one.
0: And what what but, is the secret of them then? They are they, they seem pretty difficult to keep under control, then, are they? I'm not going to tell you. All oh, right, you're not going to tell me the secret. <laughs> <laughs> but what 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 no, are, what the are the judges looking this, for? Um,
6: well, nice conformation, you see, like that. It should have six fully open six buds and six coming into bud but we we seldom get to that that would be the ideal value. But, we, but we seldom get to that
7: it's uh, very difficult well
0: judith lay you're very smartly
7: dressed you're the honor of opening the show today <laughs> You're right, Simon, and it was an absolute privilege. And isn't it great? What are over a thousand entries? Isn't that brilliant mm. for a community show?
0: And when when you get the, the sort of call, would you come and open this? Although they seem little events in, in the big world of things, when you get here to open it, it's quite a lovely. A feel to it, isn't
7: it? To be honest with you, I was thrilled to be asked and the lady who asked me, which was a a good number of months ago, she was so full of enthusiasm it's infectious and so you think, this is going to be great, we're going to have a terrific day and really enjoy it and I tell you, this has lived up to its promise but you're skirting around the subject of the fact that I had the unenviable task of picking the best in the show. And that's the the best adult entry, shall we say, best overall, and also the best junior entry. And that was so difficult, Simon. And we're still
0: here in the middle of the afternoon, and it's still packed with it enthusiastic is. people maybe who haven't come since
7: last year's show. Well, this this is, and this is the lovely thing, that there's just been a steady flow through of people all the time. And, of course, people come, and they stop, and they chat, and, of course, lovely refreshments. So everybody goes and gets their plate loaded with goodies and then sitting outside, standing around, eating, chatting. And that, the fellowship, the friendship, is what it's all about, isn't it?
0: Well, some of the people from the Sulby Horticultural Society show: Michael Garrett, Susan Gower Jackson, and uh, before that, it was the chair and secretary, Kirsty Martin, and at the end there, Judith Lay, our very own, who uh, opened the event there. So uh, it really was a, a great turnout, and particularly, uh, you know, for this time of year, the worry they've had, uh, the, the selection of vegetables, art, everything like that, and to see uh, a wonderful. Looked like a real live painting. Actually, won the proper, you know, the first-class honors at the the show.
1: It's a great place to exhibit fine arts and and things you've grown at home yourself and be very very proud of it. Did you put anything in, Simon?
0: No, didn't. But mm. uh, time is of the essence. That's the trouble. Is. And time, talking about time, that's all we've got time for on this week's Countryside. We'll be back next week with more, and we'll see you at the Royal Manx Show. So from me, Simon Clarke.
1: And me, Kerry Kermud. We'll
0: see you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.